Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Season 4 of Sequelizers. As always, this is the show about fixing the bad sequels that followed good movies. As always as well, I am your host, Jack Chambers, and joining me are two of my sequelizing compatriots. We're missing one, as we will talk about in a second. First off, my dear, dear colleague, Mr. Timothy Mayton. Somebody make it stop. <laughs> That's appropriate. That That's good. As you'll see in a second, as you probably guess from the title an appropriate line of dialogue speaking of appropriate lines of dialogue mr matthew stogden sequelizery s-e-q-u-e-l-i-s-e-r-y because, because fuck that. you that's why <laughs> oh dear i think that's not the first time we've spelt out the name of our podcast on this show either <laughs> Because there's no Zs or As as we like to reference, and uh, yeah, there's no Ys either. No Ys. Sorry for misleading you. Because <laughs> you gotta. No. All, speaking of no Ys, there's no Alec either. We're we're missing a plow, mm. which is a shame. He's been struck down with various diseases rock. by the sound. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. Bad strep. Voice-itis. Th- there's a bunch of uh, strep throat or strep A, as it's known in the UK, going around at the moment. My partner's a nurse, and she was talking about it going around the wards and. She felt rough the other day. My colleagues at work felt rough the other day. And now we're down a sequelizer, which is the most important thing. <laughs> yep, yep. So yeah, just the three of us, I'm afraid. But, so, um, also, yeah. if, if this turns out to be the beginning of a zombie uh, apocalypse, we have sort of kind of foreshadowed you well enough now that just, you know, oh, there's this mysterious illness spreading around. Bear in mind, this comes out like months from now. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is for the future historians. There, so, th- yeah. yeah, there won't be... This will be in like a little time capsule somewhere because this will never actually get released because the end of the world happens between now and the release of this episode. The video game protagonist will discover this at some point. Oh, yeah, it's a little <laughs> audio log thing that they just wander around listening yeah. to because that's how people listen to things. Yeah, that's how you get the backstory. How they get all the lore. Random audio logs. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of law, a film that's full of law, unfortunately, for better, no, only for worse, is one of the most requested. It's been requested since season one. And it's also, in my humble opinion, not only the worst film we've ever talked about on this show, the worst film I've ever seen from start to finish. Dear listeners, if you joined us in this adventure and watched this film, I feel very sorry for you. Because it's your turn to fix Son of the Goddamn Mask. Not the correct title, but you get, <laughs> you get the gist. Yeah, you kind of need to insert swear words into this to make it yeah. bearable. Pl- plenty of swear words were inserted while I was watching this damn it, thing. Yeah, like, like Jack says, I th- yeah, I agree. I think this may be the worst film I've ever seen. I, I wrote in my notes that I have seen films that have been less competently made, but s- often they are so bad that they are kind of enjoyable. And I see the, the example you gave was Tommy Wiseau's The Room, yes. which is the perfect so bad it's good film that they have like big screenings of it in cinemas in LA and stuff, and everybody gets together and dresses up and ha ha ha, it's hilarious. There's no joy to be had from there's some no, of the masks. There's no joy, and and I've seen films that have made me angrier, like Batman versus Superman, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they are at least moderately competently made. Um, they're, moderate, functional they're, they're, yeah. they're functional as films this film is both 
incompetent and joyless. <laughs> it, it's only, it's what, 90 something minutes long, maybe 100 minutes. And I was constantly looking at the time and thinking, my God, there's still, you know, 60 yeah. minutes left. There's it, still 50 minutes left. It's, it's 95 minutes long and you feel every single second of that because there are so many... I mean, we'll get on to it in a second. There's so many twists and turns and unnecessary weird extra bits and just moments that have nothing to do with anything else from the first film or the rest of this film. Good Lord. It's, Good it's, Lord. It's 95 minutes long and there's so much filler. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the very definition of a torturous experience is something that you would rather suffer death than endure any more of and i would like that to be a quote on every box for this fucking dvd where it's oh and it's re-released on blu-ray yeah. yeah thanks matt for the criterion collection when it comes out on that um no it's it's genuinely an appalling film and i i can't commend him any more than for, for what he just said it because it, it nails it on the head there are films that make me more angry because of how widespread they're you know they're, they're accepted and how in vertical how much how successful they are despite being dross and the films that are shit that I've enjoyed on a level and going, oh no, I can watch this. I can't remember the guy's name, but... Uh, Tommy Wiseau. No, I'll get to you in a minute, don't worry. <laughs> but effectively speaking, this is a truly soulless piece of shit. And the thing is, as much as we have a little in-joke here at Sequelizers, that no matter what the film is we're sequelizing, someone comes out of the woodwork, maybe to be antagonistic, who knows, and they say, oh, actually, I really like that movie. It made my childhood what it is today. And I, if I'm honest with you, I, I like it more than insert best film of the year. Here. And we, we joke about that. That has happened without fail with every single film we have covered since the beginning of this show. With every episode, there is either a comment on SoundCloud, comment on YouTube back in the day, something on Twitter, what Facebook, whatever it is, of, why are you fixing this one? I thought the third one was bad, but I really like the second one. Every fucking time with every bloody franchise and every film we've talked about. I said this in the, the group chat to you guys earlier, like, is this going to happen with this film? Is that a step too far? Because people said like, oh, I saw Mulan 2 or I saw Return of Jafar and, you know, because I love the first one so much, I watched it as a six-year-old and didn't think it was that bad or whatever. Nobody, like, you can't enjoy, it's not possible to enjoy this film. If you have watched this film as an adult or even like a teen... We're sorry. <laughs> we're, a, I'm sorry. And B, if you watch this film as as someone with critical faculties and enjoyed it seek help <laughs> like like you need to i don't know re-examine your life choices because it's just so appalling it's incompetent like that the, it's terribly made it's poorly acted the plot is absolute nonsense it has barely any connection to the original film and none of its none of the things that made the original film good and it's just like it's just terribly made nonsense all the way through i have one and i won't say redeeming because nothing redeems this there is one quality not, not terrible thing about <laughs> yeah one thing that i can go okay i don't know that's actually not entirely true i apologize <laughs> there are two things oh two things and uh, i when i'm reviewing a film professionally as a reviewer i i don't ever give something a zero because in tr even like uh, the guy's name from earlier i mentioned by this neil breen uh, I, google it people neil fucking breen 
he, he is astonishingly terrible at what he does. The key bit here is that every film, even Neil Breen's films, are finished and released. <laughs> if you finish your film, fucking bravo. Because That's 99% of the fight. Right? You get at yeah. least one out of ten. Because, one out of five. Because you have finished the film. You have made something that has left a hard drive. Well done. Second thing. Uh, Randy Edelman, or Edelman, is the guy who did the music for the original Mask. And he's returning in this one. And obviously the score is very, very cartoony and very silly. And very sort of Tex Avery Looney Tunes kind of shit. So it's not nearly as good. But the theme, I think it's called Origin of the Mask, I believe it is. I genuinely like that score, that theme. But 90s sort of lilting. Nah, 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 nah. I can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I yeah. like that theme. It's so, not, like I said, it's not good. It's not terrible. No. Like, uh, yeah. But not terrible really stands out in this film. Because oh, yes. Yeah. Fucking everything else is That's terrible. That's the point. Even something as as simple as like, oh, a, a vague passing memory of something I partly oh, enjoyed. That's somewhat competent. Good Excellent. enough. Congratulations. Yeah. But everything else in this movie is horrific. So if we just do a simple little breakdown, we won't cover the story because fuck me, we'll come back to the story. I assume you guys have been fixing that. No, that's fine. We'll leave it. <laughs> uh, the acting is absolutely abysmal. My God. Maybe the most unfunny man in history is Jamie Kennedy. Because fuck me. This film, it takes so... Uh, for listeners who don't know, The Mask is based on a comic originally released by Dark Horse. L- loosely based. L- yeah. Very loosely based. And that, that, that's, that's the point I'm getting yeah. to is very dark original tone. Like the main character ends up killing himself. It's very like literally tied to the insanity of The Mask and all that kind of stuff. Obviously the film with Jim Carrey in the 90s took it in a very cartoony, friendly, funny way, and he's stretching all over the place, and he's basically like Stretch Armstrong. He's kind of this wacky, like almost like Who Framed Roger Rabbit style. He's a cartoon in he the real world kind of yeah. thing. And this one tries to take it a step further and takes away any semblance of like somewhat darkness, but then unintentionally is terrifying for kids despite trying to be a kid's film. Mm-hmm. And it's got all this horrible fucking imagery of like, Alan Cummings' face on a baby is something that will never leave my nightmares. And God bless Alan Cumming. I love Alan Cumming. Not even he can redeem this in any way. And yeah, the shift in tone is a weird thing. I totally get why they did it because, you know, kids' films and all that kind of stuff. And it's basically the whole film is setting up the kid versus the dog, which is a central thing for like the middle, like 40 minutes of the film. But like, that's the entire plot and then all the subplot stuff is actually what's happening around it with the whole loki and odin and mad shit like that which the more you watch it the more you realize it means nothing yeah yeah it's 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 one of those films where you come away and you genuinely go who the hell was this for because it's made 11 years after the original mask so you've lost a lot of the it's not like people were clamoring for yeah, this yeah it's, it's 94 As, to 2005 isn't it i, so, I was yeah, 10 yeah. when the mask came out i was 19 or no 21 sorry when this shit came out i was like oh no <laughs> yeah and and the mask at the time was a big big success it had a cartoon spin-off and stuff like that but by but it was a big hit with like kids and teenagers and 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 adults to a certain it's, extent it's the but perfect kind of teen like you said there's somewhere in between kind of vibe and it's it? yeah. it's at the height of jim carrey in his kind of dumb and dumber ace ventura big rubber period. face because he has a yeah. big rubber face but by the time you've gone 11 years into the future the people who were 
enjoying that stuff because it's kind of cartoonish have have grown up by now and i'm sure it did well enough and hung around on vhs and dvd but you can't imagine that there's a huge like child fan base for the mask by that point because it's not been in cinema you know it's it it didn't exactly grip on to culture and never let go <laughs> and this film is seems like it's made for kids because there's these long extended periods where it's basically just a Tex Avery cartoon yes, without absolutely. the wit yeah. um, and with CGI instead of animation. Mm. But then you have like the first maybe half an hour is like this subplot or, or this plot about Jamie Kennedy's character not getting given a chance at work and like he doesn't want to have kids and his his girlfriend or wife i can't remember which is like pressuring him to have kids and it's like a child watching this would be so bored by this point um, i'm gonna jump in here tim because i agree with you wholeheartedly um i would say the problem is that like pitching it towards kids is they've misconstrued childish immaturity for ideal for children and secondly we're gonna have to come back to a, a sequelizers classic here of Shrek. Oh. Because mm-hmm. Shrek 3, same premise. Everyone's it's, favorite. He's like, I don't want to be a father. I want to live in a swamp. And I want to face fuck a pig. I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Shrek. Um, but the point is that it's, again, something that goes over the heads of kids. But, and this is where I give Shrek a bit of credit, it makes it palatable and a little bit understandable for that audience. All thanks to Smash Mouth. Mostly because of the singing and Donkey saying, it's fine. I'll make your mouth. I'm a dad too. I fuck this dragon. Of the weird uh, hybrid creatures. But the point is that, that ultimately this film starts out with a very strange, I say, key demographic of who they're marketing towards or who they're pitching towards. And I think the genuine answer is Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you're a target audience is your lead actor yeah, and your lead actor alone. Immature, and you should have grown the fuck up by now. At the same time, I'm pretty sure Jamie Kennedy was releasing a uh, rap song oh. called "Circle Circle Dot Dot" oh, about tits. Oh God! <laughs> Would you? Does anyone know what Jamie Kennedy's up to at the moment? No. I you, he's currently making a pro-life uh, film about what? Roe versus Wade. What? Yeah. Is it? Is it Son of the Mask? <laughs> I, I don't know. I would say this movie. This is, <laughs> this is pro death. Yeah. I will kill myself. <laughs> what the fuck? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, fuck you, Kennedy. I, okay. Well, the point is that I think. Can we, can we set up a second Kennedy assassination? Well, third oh. Kennedy assassination. Uh, third fourth? or fourth? Fourth. Yeah. Fourth. Yeah. Right. The, the key thing here is, is weirdly that I think somebody watched Scream two especially and thought oh look at that guy's manic energy look how he's like screaming in a shop there are formulas it's like that's a bit like jim carrey he's probably quite cheap we should get we'll get him yeah. <laughs> and he probably sings nonsense triple and who are we going to get to direct this and and this is so moving away from acting for a second because we'll come back to it again i think this, this is gonna be so much putting a pin in it it'll then pull back will be like a murder board. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god everything is wrong with it um it's th- the always sunny in philadelphia yes. scene with the like yeah carol um the direction and the cinematography especially are horrifically bad the cgi is terrible we'll get back to that as well but just literally camera movement and lens choice <laughs> these are things that people don't necessarily okay if you're doing a good job you shouldn't notice these things there's a there's, a, there's an, uh, a school of thought which is if if you recognize a costume in film somebody's done their job wrong yeah. 
you shouldn't recognize any of the components, you should recognize the story. This film, you can't help but recognize everything and feel everything. And, and I, I think I'm a prime audience for that yeah. because I know enough about films. I've been watching films, and like Tim talked about in a previous episode, like I've got that critical part of my brain switched on at all times. I had that moment as a team where I was like, I didn't like that, and here's why. And kind of like obviously doing this show helps kind of like sharpen that and but i don't know much about the actual process of filmmaking i couldn't tell you what lens looks like what or what's shot on a red camera or whatever the fuck i have no clue about that kind of stuff holy shit i've noticed the fisheye lens on this (laughs) fucking movie it's the first time i've ever noticed a lens in a in an actual feature film and been like why in all the close-ups of his face as he's spinning, are you using a wide <laughs> shot, weird fisheye lens thing, which warps everything in the background. His weird, like, cartoon jazz band thing mm. that's going on in the background is just, like, span and mutated and weird. And his giant fucking plastic face and plastic <laughs> hair and giant chin and shit is just inches from your own face and it's terrifying. So one of the ways that this film so, like, fundamentally misunderstands the 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 appeal of the original is that the original mask the kind of setting and the city that it was in was a little bit kind of hyper real in the same a bit a bit like the way in which like gotham city yeah yeah, absolutely is is kind of hyper real in the tim burton and the the joel schumacher films but not but not quite to that level then the mask stood out amongst that because he is just a literally a living cartoon and then he kind of infects around him with that energy whereas this film every part of it is shot like it's a cartoon Mm. and so the mask is just another element of that and isn't it it, the whole thing just feels like it's like an attempt to make a live action cartoon in a like speed racer yeah (laughs) without that without the skill of speed racer exactly and it just it feels like a like a Nickelodeon show from about 1997 oh, it does, with a, yes. like a higher budget. Yeah. A slightly higher. A slightly I mean, higher this budget. This film has got, as we'll talk about later on, it's got an astonishingly high budget. But yeah. good, I think the, the setting is a good point you touched on because in the first fucking shot of the film, we just swap cities for no reason. It's a really weird map painting. Of just like a, a map painting. City. And then suddenly just the, the mask just floats down a river and you're like, why are we bothering? Who cares where it's set if if you're just going to change everything anyway? Like, it doesn't really matter. Why bother changing the city? It's such a weird choice. I think, again, there are so many uh, decisions that at any point somebody could have stopped it. And were there no editors? Were there no well, producers? Like, well, Editing what is happened? a great example. I'm getting, uh, just to get on back on lenses for a second. So fisheye lenses or anything that's warped like a wide angle lens can be used beautifully there's a trailer out at the minute for uh terence malick's new film uh hidden life i think it is oh yes yeah, yeah. and that's almost all quite invasive and things like that but it's like it makes you feel like you're part of it or and they did something in uh, in the favorite the yorgos lentimos mm-hmm. film and that's again done very well so it's a, a it's a tool that you can use but i can't stress this enough in the scene the big fucking dance number scene. Oh, the eight and a half minute of fucking dance scene. I'm slightly exaggerating their audience, but it is literally like six minutes of screen time. I and think it shits seven on minutes. Tons of different musical stars. Oh god, it's not just one shitty thing. It's, it's like tries to just segue through different. They types. saw the what, one. What is the song that he's doing and turning into? You. 
Thank oh, you. yeah. I love oh. you, baby. I'm never ruin the mask. I love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a that he he at one point they have this uh, thing almost like mounted to him and he's in the, on this unit going around and he got everything in the background. But the problem is that everything in the background is out of focus and warped, and he's covering it with his stupid fucking face. But and this is where it gets most important for editing, cinematography, direction fail from three key units. They use shots in a montage. So there's lots of other footage they could use, B-roll wise, of his face going right into the lens. And you can see the shadow of the camera covering his nose. And you're like, that's not good. That's not just like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. That's like, oh, you know, when you see like a, a coffee cup on Game of Thrones. No, no, no. That's just incompetent filmmaking to the, like, day one. Like, oh, well, well, that ruins the illusion that there's a camera there. Make sure, like make sure you TV can't shit. see your boom mic in shot. It's yeah. classic kind of shit like that. Yeah. I mean, and that other stuff you can go, well... Yeah, if it's the thing you're looking down the fucking lens to to see what's happening, and you can see that and going, oh, that's terrible. He must be half an inch from that camera. Easily. Like, like, how can you not see that? Yeah, he's putting <laughs> his face right in past the, the things. And, and then and the editor goes, yeah, that's good enough. That'll do. Put it in. We only got one shot because Jamie Kennedy's awful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was, yeah, just obnoxious the entire time, probably. So, it, again, it's it's only literally like maybe three or four seconds in a film, but it's enough for you to go... This is a problem. Everything here has been made ineffective. Um, sorry, ineffectively. And everything here is dysfunctional. So it, every factor from like how it's presented, the, the production design that makes the entire house look like it's a, a cartoon house, as we said, but the setting... Everything looks like a set and it's really yeah. weird, yeah. It's lit terribly. It's, I mean, to the degree that... Do you remember the, the Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers? Um, unfortunately, yes. Yeah, bad film, but has a similar feel, except competently handled yeah not yeah. a good thing terrible story stupid performance weird stuff but the setting looks like a cartoon house and works like that because it's meant to be like kind of supposed to be yeah, yeah yeah this one doesn't have that same feeling it all just feels cheap and but at the same time the most confusing aspect is when they want to be horrific they make the horror aspect look good so when they want to show things that are a bit oh that's a bit unusual they say, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll try and uh, put a bit of dark lighting in here. And then when Alan Cummings steps out of the darkness and you think, oh, it's his wife. Turns out, no, it's Alan Cummings. Alan Cummings, really? It's like, it's like, That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Why did you do this effectively? Why, why is this the thing you're good at, apparently? Um, and then you get some terrible CGI sequences. Um, yeah, but the truth of this film and the, and the key point to get back to over and over and over and over again and something that we can't, I, I can't stress this enough. There is, n except for that one little melodic moment, nothing good about this film. You put it on and think, oh, we're going to have a great time, guys. We're going to watch this terrible movie. No, it's painful. Mm -hmm. It's painful to watch. It's an affront on, I don't say I'm being hyper hyperbolic, but it is an affront on cinema. It is. It's so much money You're not being and hyperbolic. wasted or potential. You, you could literally take anything. I mean, pictures that we're about to come up with, you could do half the budget and make a huge success from. It's in some way both incredibly fucking lazy and also so much work to make it this fucking bad it's it's truly inexplicable and it's it's one of those things where it there is a level to which it's fascinating because it's it's like a, a like a fractal pattern of awfulness yeah. where like the whole <laughs> the whole thing is terrible and then you can drill down and you can be like okay well let's just take like the performances are uniformly terrible. Let's go down even <laughs> further, and like, and and you can get down to things like um, the 
Jamie Kennedy char- character's his boss, mm-hmm. who is this, uh, who's meant to be like this chief of anim- animation studio, and seems like he's walked in from a different film. He's playing it with like no energy whatsoever. Right. Just like, and you're just like, what the what choice have you made to, like. Why are you here? Why are you doing this? Why Why did the director not go, hey, actually, we're going for this quite like high-energy living cartoon thing and you appear to be on a large amount of sleeping pills? <laughs> like, ev- every element of the film is just this kind of like, what the fuck were they thinking? And then you zoom out and just the whole thing is just incomprehensible. Yeah, it, it's it's... It, it, okay, so the truth of this is, and this is what this is the thing. You might be listening back to this episode and thinking, guys, you haven't told me what's functionally bad with the film. It's like it's very everything. Yeah, it's very hard to. How can I? God, how can we do this? <laughs> so, if you were to take a giant horse shit in the road and say, "Oh no, a big pile of horse shit," and you push your face all the way inside and say, "Ugh, everything's covered in shit." And you say, oh, look, there's an undigested straw. That's disgusting. Oh, there's some shit. Oh, there's a fly flying around it. And you pull back and realize, oh, no, there's nothing redeeming about this. There is nothing here that you can say, well, what's wrong with it? Everything is wrong with it. It's um, ill-conceived and incompetent and poorly made. And I can't. And this is another thing as well. It contains very little of the mask. The actual main central character of the mask, the Jamie Kennedy thing, you think, oh, you know, you can watch almost all of his moments in effectively maybe, what, 10 minutes sitting, if that? Yeah, 10, like, 12 there's minutes. There's like two or three scenes, if that. Most of it is the baby and the mask slash dog mask. Yeah. Which is just rehashing the actually genuinely funny stuff from the first one. The awful CGI baby. The only baby that is worse is the one in Twilight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this one... Or gives, American Sniper. This one gives <laughs> it a pretty close run for its money. What and and it's and it's weird because it's <laughs> the son of the mask kind of is the main character, mm. and that unfortunately means the main character is a one-year-old question mark. The age is really like it could be anywhere up yeah. to kind of like eighteen months, and they don't the the timeline in this film is so fuzzy that they never bother to define it. Mm-hmm. But like. That is not an interesting main character, but for a good chunk of the film, that's who you're following. Yeah, that and a dog. <laughs> a dog who wants to kill the baby. Yes. The dog. Wait, well, no, sorry. The dog wants to kill reason? the baby, and the baby wants to put the father in a in an asylum. Yes, yes. the the baby. The, baby's for no reason. the baby is trying to gaslight the father, yeah. basically. Let's get into the weird sex thing in this film. So there, Good role, there's a lot of weird sex. Way to hip deep into that shit. There is a scene in which the Jamie Kennedy mask comes back home and has sex with his girlfriend who doesn't realise that he's the mask at the time. And then this, this is the like the the moment where Son of the Mask is created. Is, con- is conceived. He's conceived. Yes. This because, is conception moment. Because uh, but then you also life, find then. out because that Jamie Kennedy, once he has taken the mask off, doesn't realise that he's had sex and wouldn't have because he's his wife wants or wife or girlfriend wants to have a baby and he doesn't. And so you're like, okay, this is like a weird double rape because <laughs> the 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 girlfriend, the love interest was not aware who she was having sex with. 
and Jamie Kennedy, the the character rather than the mask wearing version, mm. like would not have wanted to have sex in those situations. The, the characters' so, names are Tim and Tonya, by the way. So okay, that there will we help go. You from wife slash yes. girlfriend slash Jamie Kennedy, and it also although the character is just Jamie Kennedy, so it made of... me angry that the main character of this film shared my name. <laughs> it's like fuck you. Yeah. Bring <laughs> um, shame upon the name Tim. Yeah. So, so Tim has had sex against his will. <laughs> Tonya. Tonya has had sex <laughs> against third person. <laughs> yes. What the fuck? It's it's like in, in the scene in me myself film. and Irene, but except that that's a fucking Farrelly Brothers film and it's rated fifteen in this country, yeah. and that makes sense. It's like you know when uh, Hank, I think it is, um, has sex with Irene. And then later it's like, oh, it wasn't him. I thought it was him. And oh, no. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the same sort of principle, except it doesn't have creepy mask sperm. And fuck me. The Im- the imagery surrounding the baby and the sperm and the, like when he's freaking out about having a baby and there's a million babies that are like erupting from her womb and they're like infinite midwives and stuff and all the babies are screaming and pulling weird faces oh, and she's making like really yawning faces like she's just popping them out like oh yeah, yeah yeah she's acting like it's perfectly normal but there's like like that old was it an xbox advert with the baby like fires out oh, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> smashes through walls and ages as he flies like yes, yes. fuck me that's terrible. i mean i don't plan on having kids anyway but good lord Not now. I'm, yeah at least i don't anymore which is interesting because it does the classic okay there's also as i say an extreme amount of laziness in this film and especially the writing it's like how do we get new dad comedy in here now obviously i've seen a lot of films where this happens and no plenty of parents who go well it does happen but not like this not like this okay here's, a, here's an example i believe in the, the in the nicholas cage film the family man hmm. he's looking after this his, his child and just pisses in his face and he goes ah oh god the pissing scene oh my god i forgot about that now obviously if you're changing a child's nappy and or diaper depending on where you're listening from and it's going to urinate at the same time. He's like, hey, you're in time. It's like, damn you, child. I've just changed you. That's that's a, a complaint of new parents. That's fine. Not the complaint, however, is like, oh, my God, it's urinating in my face. I better go to the cup. To f- oh, no, it's filling the cup. Oh, no, a second stream has appeared. Oh, no, a third stream has appeared. It's like, hang on. Wh- no, now we have to th- have the mental imagery of, of what is happening down there. baby with three dicks. Yes. Yeah. Or just holes like a, like a so, fucking recorder. So, yeah, um... The video I kind of really enjoyed, the only thing I enjoyed about this experience was watching the Nostalgia Critic video about this film. And he just screams at that point and just says, why would you make me think that the baby has three dicks? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, why it's, would why why on think earth, of this? Why would you put that? And obviously it's off screen for a reason, but like you put that in the audience's brain and you can't avoid that. And then, and then after a couple of seconds, he was, I think, uh, Kennedy says, "Oh, uh, anymore!" And they just, it's hose, it's intense. Does right the baby hose just have a giant, horrible, cartoony dick? It's Why horrible. are we talking about baby dick? I think it's Alan Cummings' face, <laughs> <laughs> screaming out of his eyes and his mouth. What the fucking when the baby like screams? Odin is in oh his mouth. Oh my god, Odin. Odin is just in his mouth. Odin Speaking played of casting. Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Okay. Okay, our, our old pal Tom Martin. <laughs> god rest his soul. <laughs> <laughs> it is bizarre because the Loki, so the Odin sort of makeup, as it were, it looks like it's trying to go for something semi serious. And yeah. then you see the, 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 the very, I don't know what the fuck to call it. 
crisis rock, I guess, um, uh, um, stylings of Alan Cumming. Oh, you mean a Neil Gaiman character? <laughs> <laughs> Just the gelled hair. And he shit. looks like he should be in Sandman. He does look like the Sandman. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But then, but they they all feel out of place. Like they've all just almost like you have some like an advert on TV for come to Hollywood where films are made. <laughs> Look at this dining room where you've got like some Planet of the Apes monkeys and you've got some science fiction and people. Bob Hoskins. And you've got Bob Hoskins and you've got some Vikings. Oh, all of it's in one place. And that's this fucking movie. And in the middle of it is Jamie Kennedy in a fucking t-shirt saying, I don't want a kid. I want to be a kid forever. I want to draw pictures of babies. I want, oh my God, maybe being a fuck. Dada. Fuck you. You dumb fuck. Bob Hoskins' look in this film reminded me of one thing hashtag 90s kids will remember this it was uh patrick moore when he was being the games master yes, <laughs> oh, yes. i fucking totally agree games master man loki <laughs> if we get patrick we could have had patrick moore as odin that would have been interesting i can give you the codes for a mega drive game yes of course <laughs> weirdly enough in theory if you told me like say say mcu stuff yeah and it's like for some reason it's in 2005 or whatever yeah you're telling me Alan Cumming is Loki and Bob Hoskins is Thor. I'd be like, yeah, okay. That works. Yeah. yeah, I'm on board for that. That sounds good. In theory, the Asgardian bit works. I know it's something that, like, again, not a redeeming quality, but, like, the idea of Loki coming back for the mask isn't an inherently terrible idea. They just get everything wrong about it. Like, having him come to Earth have to, like, fight the mask or whatever, I don't know, it's a functionally straightforward concept that is like, oh yeah, that that's an obvious sequel. Like you could, we know it's Loki's mask. You can spin it off that way. I mean, the, like going back to like the really early scenes when Loki first appears in the museum and stuff. The one returning character, poor Ben Stein, Ben Stein, has his face removed. Oh god, yeah, and it floats was... across the room, put in a box, and then put in a box to replace the mask. That and was he's, some... well, I'm just sat here uh, being a mask in a museum and just you know, I'm in a glass box now forever. I hope you got paid. And then uh, I have no face, but my body's still wandering around. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. How is this a kid's film? This? That's fucking terrifying. That was some like David Tennant era Doctor Who. <laughs> like, yeah. like, kind of like Cassandra. Like that, yeah, like, like, yeah, like yeah. here's yeah, a yeah. scary thing. We're going to show you roughly a third of the... Like, it's not the really scary thing, but it's just going to kind of like freak you out a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And it's in this. It's in the first three minutes of this yeah, kid's it, film. Yeah, it is, yeah. <sighs> this film forgets everything. It forgets what's going on. It forgets who the audience is. It forgets what it's trying to do. And then it forgets... Like, take Loki, for example. So Loki's finally... Again, I agree with you. Loki coming after his mask, that's fine. As a plot point, no problem at all. In theory... Alan coming as Loki coming back to get the mask. Love it. So far, I'm sold. Problems. <laughs> problem one. Uh, problem one of many. Why does he have a mask? And to continue that thought, what does it do? Yeah. He has all of his powers. Yeah. And he's really powerful, so it doesn't matter. Doesn't mean shit. And then he gets his powers taken away. And then literally the next scene, Straight back he again. just gets yeah. them back from Odin because he asks nicely. Yeah. It's, he never puts the mask on. No. What is the point of this <laughs> if fucking he, if, he, if he took the mask and, like, put the mask on and became, like, big horned Loki, like we see, like, Hiddleston full costume kind of style and went full Asgardian and stuff rather than Gaiman-esque. Yeah, but in the first tour of the but museum... But he fucking doesn't. He, he's like, it's a fake. He already has a mask face. 
Yeah. He doesn't put a mask on to become that. It's just his, just how he looks, apparently. Yeah. Yep. It's some bullshit. Yeah. And it, sorry, it, it, it doesn't understand what it is. It doesn't explain anything. It introduces a handful of things, dismisses them quickly, brings them back again, and says, I don't remember what I was doing. It's like someone trying to cook an omelette for you and leaves all the shell in, then takes it all out and thinks, oh, fuck, I put that in the bin. Empties the entire bin into the frying pan and says, fixed it. Also, isn't he a trickster god? So he would be like, that's hilarious. I'm just leaving Go tricks and yeah. weird, like crazy shit for the humans to do the mortals can do whatever they like because this is hilarious and very entertaining because i'm a trickster god the only reason he goes is because odin tells him to for no reason apparently go and sort it out and he just goes no i'm a trickster god i'll just leave him to it see there's in norse mythology there's a thing where loki is not necessarily in invoke commas the devil or giants or whatever he is literally Somebody causes problems, but also most of the time he's pe- people go to to fix problems. Yeah, he fixes all the problems by like shape shifting into stuff, but not telling anybody. And yeah, stuff exactly. Like, oh, uh, we really need this uh, horse to go away. Like the only way to get rid of it is to seduce it. What can you do, Loki? Uh, <laughs> I'll go find my best pal, the the really handsome horse. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. Loki walks around the corner. Oh, there's a horse walking back around the corner. Where's Loki? Uh, Loki sent me. Everything's fine. Um, I'm just going to fuck this horse. And then she'll go away. Everything's fine. Don't ask questions. This is how we fix it. Where's Loki? Um, Oh, he's busy. You know know him. Always doing stuff in the back and whatnot. I'll I'll be done in a second then. I'll go and get Loki. Hold on a minute. Aren't you Loki? This horse sounds like Loki. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I w- I like you say, said, they go to him to solve the problems, but he does it in a really tricksy way. Mm. He does none of that shit. No, and the, none of that's present. He's just a random bloke. Just, just dude. Yeah. Although, although this film is a lot like getting fucked by a horse. <laughs> With Jamie Kennedy's oh, face. Yeah. If you'd have pitched this film as like, oh, it's the mask versus actual Loki, you'd be like, oh, okay, that should be some interesting, like, weird, weird, like, comedy action. And then that doesn't fucking happen no. for most of the film. You have... It happens in an alley for 10 seconds. Mm. Yeah. And the sun just creates a shield from the yeah. explosion. And that's it. That's the entire fight is one shot and one explosion. And and the film, for probably about three quarters of its runtime, keeps Loki off elsewhere doing others searching for the mask why keep him separate from the rest of the film like it's not like you've got such great stuff going on (laughs) like why not introduce a threat and have maybe something happen rather than just this interminable just things occurring on screen but there is no actual forward momentum to the plot and i kind of hinted at that earlier like the main plot should be Loki is on Earth and he's trying to get his mask back, which gives him powers or whatever. Obviously, it doesn't give him powers, but that's a whole other thing. The main plot is the dog doesn't like the baby and the baby hates his dad for no reason. Also, subplot, gods are real. Asgard is real. Loki is on Earth. Oh, uh, and Odin Holy lives in baby's shit. mouths. And, and Odin lives things. in baby's mouths. Like, somehow... Fucking Asgard is the subplot. Yes. And it's the thing, like you said, Tim, in theory, that is driving the whole movie forward. The only reason anything happens in this film is because Loki, in theory, is making it all happen and trying to get to the mask and stuff. Except he's not, and he doesn't, 
because none of it fucking matters and he does a bunch of stuff that is completely irrelevant and the stuff in the film would happen anyway even if he wasn't there mm. he plays twister with a baby uh, terrifyingly yes oh, oh my god <laughs> And I'd then he decides he wants to adopt the baby. I'd, I'd erase that from my memory and it just <laughs> yeah. came flooding back. He has the baby for like five minutes. Yeah. He's like, well, it turns out we really bonded and I don't want to give him back. Yes. What? I, is Loki a pedophile now? Like, what is going on? It's just good friends. But I would point out that, again, back to the acting and the characters and all this stuff and forgetting certain things, one of the greatest disservices, eh, arguably is the fact that also there's a mum. Yeah. And every now and again, the film wait, says... Wait, wait, what? Yeah. There's a female character. Every now and again, the film says, oh, by the way, she's here. She's just at home, and the home has like, gone through a fucking hurricane and been destroyed and stuff, and she's just there, like, unconscious in a pile of rubble. And Jamie Kelly comes in and goes, oh, hey, and then just walks off. Leaves her for dead, basically. <laughs> and he's a scumbag, but, like... Like, you've got to, like, watching those scenes, like, early on in the film, you're like... Who would want to have a child with this man who is, like, sat there in bed playing on his Game Boy Advance? And I mean, fuck having a child with this guy. Who wants to be with this who wants to, who wants to, Who wants to be with this guy who seems to have no redeeming qualities yeah. whatsoever? He's a nasally, whiny cunt bag. Yeah. And I think he's just the most... And the thing is, again, I can't stress this off. It's not just that he's a bit of a layabout or that he's a stoner or that he's got no motivation he's just a terrible human being he's yeah. a terrible partner he's selfish he's a terrible father yeah he's just a horrible person like you said with no redeeming qualities whatsoever hmm. and just doesn't seem to give a shit about anything or anyone other than himself and he's just constantly worried about like oh what will happen to me or oh no it's, it's gonna be i'm gonna have to clean this up later Oh, it's, my girlfriend's probably dead. That doesn't matter, but whatever. Oh, no, I'm going to have to repaint the banister. Fuck off, Jamie Kennedy. I'm not calling him Tim. I won't, no, bespe- yeah. I won't besperch there, your name. There's a bit where he has to go to a Halloween party, and he's like, oh, this costume's crap. It's like, it's a, it's just to do with axes back. It's fine. There's nothing with it. It's like, oh, I guess I'll wear this mask. And it's like a wooden mask that you have nowhere to attach to your face. There's no string, no it's velcro. Like, it's like, it, what are you doing here? If he didn't know what the mask does... What was his plan? It full, I I'm, love I'm just going to just gonna rub this on the front of my... Just <laughs> yeah. rub, like, just untreated wood on the front of my face and see what <laughs> it just happens. just falls into his lap and he goes, yeah. well, I guess I'll go home. Oh, well, that's yeah. a terrible costume too. Fuck Fucking you, Jamie Kennedy. Uh, Child. There's also a terrible... We start a hashtag, fuck you, Jamie. <laughs> fuck you, Jamie Kennedy. I mean, I'm okay with it. Uh, He's th- pro-life, fuck him. Yeah. There's a um, moment in the film where... Uh, Did you just put film in air quotes? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. We're in the film. <laughs> where Alan Cumming drives off with a kid and they have a car and then the mask slash Jamie Kennedy says, Honey, it's time we trade up. As if that line is the a ma- joke. The mask mobile, the yeah. Mask mobile. And I, the to line... Be fair, yeah, I'm going to say the car's cool. Quite like the yeah, car. The car looks like a Hot Wheels car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's it's, a car, it's a Hot Wheels come to yeah. life, isn't it? Yeah. But the And again, for that brief moment, it's like, it's a... This is a line. It's a funny line. It's like, there's nothing funny about the line. He made it sound like a pun. Yeah. And and it, like, I don't and get it's it. It's not. Trade up because you trade cars in to buy other cars? Is is, is that what is we're saying he here? in like stock trading in the business? say this a lot no, in life? No, it's not. I think, I think it, in the, <laughs> in the film's minor, minor defense, I think that is a thing that is more of an American saying. Oh, yeah. That, but also, it's not a joke because it's just, no. that is what people say about cars. Looks like we need a... 
new car. Yeah, it's essentially like saying... And that's the point. It's delivered like a joke. statement, but in the cadence of a joke. Yeah, and in the background, they do a bit of punch-up, saying, oh, how can we make this a bit more, you know, a bit more funny? Tanya, they give her a line, which is, oh, wow, you got hot. And it's like, no. No, he didn't. He got more (laughs) Jamie Kennedy. (laughs) But weirdly, I feel like they do try and make him hot when he's the mask. Yeah. Like, it feels like they're trying to make him... him Yes, and it's like, no, he is worse looking than the original mask. Like, like... I I would rather fuck (laughs) bald Jim Carrey mask than terrifying ginger mop, plastic mop head. If if the alternative is in an alleyway with him pulling Connor out of the pocket and saying, sorry, wrong, wrong pocket. That, <laughs> and it's not the wrong pocket, it's the right pocket. Hey. And he goes, fuck you. And the other one is Jamie Kennedy doing that boing into your face saying, I've got it here somewhere. It's the alleyway mask with the Tommy gun. I'd rather take that. We we have been talking about this film for 50 minutes Oh my now. God. Well, I told you it's going to be a long one, folks. It needs to be because this film needs fixing. Yeah. And it's your job to fix it. But before we do that, gentlemen... Dare I ask you the question? Oh, fuck off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean... Rotten Tomato scores for the original, the 1994 original, and the 2005 abomination and discredit to the cinematic I history. have worries. I think that the mask is going to be quite low. Okay. The original, I, you mean? I, the, my point, right, the right, original okay. mask, the 1994. I think it's going to be quite low, and people aren't going to appreciate the little things. Like... Uh, this is a bit of boring uh, filmmaking stuff, but when they're doing a bit of the sort of high-speed motion blur when the mask is moving real fast, you can just speed things up and that's fine. But they do this thing that looks like a cartoon where they draw... They, they it's hand-tracked. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's... Like they did in the old cartoons. Exactly. So he looks like an old cartoon. Exactly. Yeah. So what they do is they basically... For people who don't understand when someone's moving very quickly rather than in film which would obviously capture the frames per second it would just move it around very quickly and rapidly they drag the stretch image him out. Yeah, yeah they stretch yeah. the face the big green blur that it is his face and it makes it look like a cartoon that's actually a lot of forethought has gone into that film as much as you know there's a lot of silly nonsense in it and the set design's great and the production design's good and the direction's fine it works and the acting's obviously very very frenetic and very energetic but I don't think it would have been appreciated at the time I think it would have been like ah Kid stuff, lewd, stupid. Okay. So yeah. I think it's going to be like 60%. I think it's going to be okay. one of our lower good films in inverted commas. So I think, yeah, 62. Okay. First one. Son of the Mask, Matthew? What do you think Son of the um, Mask And is? then my other point by disappointment, I bet some fuckers like it. So I'm going to say maybe it's going to have 13 or okay. some shit like that. Something awful. 62 and 13. Tim? I am going to be both more optimistic and more pessimistic okay. because I think I think the original will do better. I think it will be around the 70 mark. And I think Son of the Mask will have even more people who go, oh, it's kids, it's fine for kids stuff. Um, and I think that's going to be about 24. Oh, oh, I hope not. I really hope not. It should be zero. It should be, it this should be, be negative. Zi- this yeah, should be yeah. zero. This, this should be zero. Unfortunately, it's not zero. Oh, my fuck. Really? It should be zero. How this film is not zero, I don't understand. Of all the films, like I've said... Of all the films we covered, and I point them out every single time, we've talked about multiple 0% movies on this show. Yeah. 6% for Son of the Mask. Okay. Yeah, that is like bottom, 30% it's... too high. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> mental. How anyone gave to this a any positive review. possible degree could give this a positive review, yeah. I don't know. 
what you'll be probably pleasantly surprised by is the original got 77. Oh, so it is, is actually re- is officially cer- certified yeah, fresh. I think that's about spot on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's that's appropriate for pioneering some visual effects stuff and for uh, a good performance from Jim Carrey and things, uh, and also literally launching the career of Cameron Diaz and right. stuff. I think yeah, it, that that sounds quite reasonable. Maybe a little bit high, but reasonable nonetheless. I I just want to bring up the career of Chuck. Charles Chuck Russell, yeah. who was the director, because I just I, I didn't know who couldn't have told you off the top of my head who directed the this is the original Mask, yeah. who directed it, and so before he did the Mask, he did Nightmare on Elm Street Three, Dream Warriors, and the 1988 remake of The Blob, <laughs> and then he went on to make the Arnold Schwarzenegger action film Eraser, which as a 12 year old I remember loving watching on VHS mm. when I certainly shouldn't have been. The Scorpion King. Wow, that's a garbage fucking movie. And then recently did a terrible-looking thriller with John Travolta called I Am Wrath. Oof. An interesting John Travolta career. seems to be in a lot of those things where it has a very dark title. Like, he takes himself very seriously as an adult. Battlefield like, Yeah, exactly. Real hardcore Staying stuff like Battlefield alive. <laughs> Before we transition, I found the positive review. Oh. <laughs> From 2006. Sorry, 2005, so contemporary. 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 This sequel is very short, so I'll read the whole thing. This sequel has been a long time coming since the 1994 Jim Carrey hit, and thankfully, it's a bright, fast, kid-orientated lark with US TV comic Jamie Kennedy doing well as the beneficiary of the magical mask that turns anyone who wears it into a dazzling display of computer-animated effects. No, no. None of that is true. Second paragraph. We're shaking our heads furiously. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you can hear that. There's like... (laughs) Sing you going. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel, like the first film, co-stars a scene-stealing Jack Russell. The fuck oh kind of sentence is that? Oh my fuck! The most camera-friendly breed of dog around. <laughs> what the fuck? Word for word, I'm reading this. It was this on like petfancier.com. <laughs> Cinema fans will enjoy the liberal sprinkling of respectful references to classic animation, from clips of the Warner Brothers masterpiece One Froggy Evening. To, the, to naming the main character after animation pioneer Tex Avery, because he's Tim Avery, whose manic 1940s tunes inspired the first Mask film and many animators since. That is the entire fucking review. Not entirely accurate. Jim Shembury of the Sydney Morning Herald, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you are wrong. You are not a critic. You're a disgrace to the profession, to anyone who has ever reviewed a film. Jim, go fuck yourself. It made me angry that they included that amazing uh, One Froggy Morning cartoon, which is so good in this absolute pile of shit. Because that the clips of that are the best thing about this film. That's fair. And it deserves so much more. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading another positive review. Go for it. And fucking hell. This is a little bit longer, so I'll... Th- I'll uh, You're editing this, sir. Yeah, I'm editing. I'm getting some little excerpts out of it. Opening line. Whatever might be compelling about a Hollywood film that proposes a son wreaking revenge on the father who didn't want him by driving him insane, it's quickly squashed in this dreadful sequel to The Mask. I thought about The Omen for a second. <laughs> so that opening line, like, okay, I agree with you so far. He gives it two and a half stars out of five. Opening with dreadful wait, sequel wait, sorry, to sorry, The Mask. Sorry, a complete down the middle average review. Fuck me. But opens with... This is a dreadful sequel to The Mask. The first film was disappointing enough. Mm. Lacking much of the maniacal and bloody lunacy of the original comic. He's a comic fan. How can you like the original comic and like this? What the f- 
I don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah, I'll, I'll cut forward to the uh, image and sound part of the review. He breaks it up into little sections here. Okay. I've said this before, but it's something that can't be stressed enough. It simply isn't fair for films this bad to look or sound this good. Oh, oh fuck, fuck off. off. Josh Vasquez <laughs> and Ed Gonzalez, go fuck yourselves. Guys, guys. Stay the fuck offline, seriously. I, re- the, the I final... really hope that was a contemporary, like, at least... It is. It's the review of the DVD that came out the same year. It is DVD review on slantmagazine.com. The closing statement, and I reiterate my fuck yourselves. Sorry. You mean, that's the same place they shot the police station in Blade Runner? Well, I guess I'm buying the DVD post-haste then. What? 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 It's, it's the same place they shot the police station in Blade Runner. One of the filming locations apparently is the same as... Who the fuck watches Son of the Mask hears that one of the sets is in Blade Runner, a film that they clearly know nothing about, and go, I better go watch Blade Runner. Better buy the DVD then. God. me. There are positive reviews for this film. There shouldn't be. No. No, there shouldn't be. You're all wrong. Again, preemptively. I'm quite happy to, uh, and we all, we all are, I believe, engage in discourse online if someone says to us, well, actually, I like The Matrix Reloaded. That's fair enough. There are some redeeming qualities to it. What parts would you have changed? That's a conversation. Well, actually, I thought Son of the Mask was actually an improvement in the first one. Right. Where do you live? Um, <laughs> we need to find you and stop you from basically doing anything ever again. I'm oh, sorry. You've gone wrong. Yeah. So in, a, in terms of like fixing this shit, how on earth? Are you going to do it? What's the plan? What are you going to do? How does this work? I mean, our our usual method here on sequelizers is we try and identify like three key problems that we're going to address <laughs> in our fix. From the first half of that film. And, yeah, it, it, like it, essentially with The Son of the Mask, it's there's the first 30 minutes, the last 30 <laughs> minutes and the time hey, in between those two go. bits. Yep. Like those are the three problems. I think we did manage to sort of We've got some bits and pieces. We've got some we got some bits and pieces that we kind no. of identified. Like gun to your head style, what's the worst things about this film? Absolutely. <clears throat> in one, terms of like trying to correct, yeah, course yeah. correct. Like one of the core things was bring back Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz. Makes sense. Yeah. Because they are both very good comedy performers, which this film does not have, apart from Alan Cumming, who is good in other things and is not good in this. I He might be trying his best, but the material here is so bad that it, it just doesn't work. Outwardly speaking, there are usually three things you can fix, and they tend to be, especially the first half of this season, things we will see repeated. One, you need to change the cast because the cast don't work. Two, Story's not very good. Three, the director isn't very good. Agreed. And subsequently, I think we can kind of start with those, in a manner of speaking. Well, they're, they're the three kind of keystones, the three kind of like pillars, pillars of what defines a film as good or bad. From 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 an uh, from one perspective, certainly, because effectively speaking, not this isn't always the case, and it's not always going to be. You know, those three things will fix a film. And sometimes a director is literally just a guy on set. Sometimes they're not that. You know huge a personality yeah i think in many ways you know those are the three fixes and in sometimes they sort of sometimes they are literally what they are you know like maybe there's one member of the cast who stands out or you know we think that there's you know the 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 people in the background maybe don't work but the the 
core cast is fine or vice versa. For this, it kind of <laughs> translates to everyone in front of the camera, everyone behind the camera, and then the things that are happening that's on exactly the camera. That's exactly Yeah, that's <laughs> like, entirely it. Like, we say change director, but what we really mean is change the director and the editor and the special producer, effects crew the DP, and the producer. Every motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah because the gaffer this, needs to go. Yeah, this film is such a train wreck, but you know, you can't sit there going, okay, let's work out who the best boy should be on this film yeah. because we want everyone who was involved with it to never work again. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, Lawrence Gutterman, or Gutterman, I'm not entirely sure how it's pronounced. Yeah. Gutterman, um, he directed Cats and Dogs, which was fine. It was a, oh, no, no, I mean, it was a functional film. Oh, it was functional, yeah. 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 It's it's piece of shit, but it's like, no, I can, it's got... It's a functional piece of shit. It's competent. And then he directed this, and he's kind of done fuck all since Finally enough. and of course he was because he's now cursed yeah. I mean I don't know how much I can actually oh, again if you're not in the room at the time you can never say exactly what happened he could just be the the, the scapegoat for the whole thing mm. more likely he's incompetent and uh, an idiot um, and subsequently he's never worked again arguably done a bit of, tiny bits of TV trying to get some off the ground who knows I got, I'm going to say it's almost kind of a shock that this isn't an Alan Smithy Oh film. yeah, you take your name straight. Well, you take your name shit. off of it because, like, how could you get to the end product and be like, "Yeah, I want my name attached to this." Yeah, I'm happy with this. This is uh, this is my vision. <laughs> this is what I got straight into. from my brain up onto the big silver screen. There, straight from my ass to the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is my fucking Citizen Kane. I I genuinely think a uh, you need to have a mix here. To go with and uh, scrap the idea in your mind of what the son of the mask is, all the nonsense, cartoonish bullshit, everything you know about it. Just imagine nineteen. And to be fair, for a lot of people, all they know is the nineteen ninety four mask. Some people don't know there's a sequel at all. Mm. They are living happier lives for it. I'd vaguely heard of it before we did the show. I was like, I think there's a mask sequel, yeah. and then we brought it up in one of the initial meetings of the the master list of terrible sequels. I'm like, oh, it's that film. Fucking <laughs> hell. So you've got a film, very 90s, which did a bit of a revival of uh, 30s style um, influence and the revival of sort of Art Deco sort of stuff. And so like, um, I know if Alec was here, he'd be talking about Slam Evil with the Phantom. <laughs> and you've got um, The Shadow and stuff like that. These, you know, revival of old, old, old 30s pop comedy the, stuff. The weird lesson that Hollywood took from the success of Batman 89 where it wasn't like let's make a bunch of comic book movies it was like hey let's make a bunch of films based on the old radio serials of the late 20s yeah it was an interesting choice I mean some of those I think have a bit of merit to them but they all kind of have a similar look certainly so they, they if you for example say there's a cinematic universe between Phantom Shadow and The Mask I'll be like all right, I'll buy it. And the Rocketeer. And the Rocketeer. Yeah, oh, exactly. Rocketeer. Those yeah. these those films have a sort of semblance That's a good of one. I like the Rocketeer. That's a good film. I agree. Yeah. With. The mask also happens to come in perfectly on time for the fucking swing revival in the nineties. Yes. It in does. terms yeah. of the soundtrack. So, That's very um, true. Yeah. So you've got that in your mind. That's what we've got. A very fun, silly, kind of crass, over the top, strangely dark at times sort of family film but not really yeah you're not going to see the whole family enjoying this they'll probably enjoy it separately but not together in one sitting because it's a weird film and for that i would like to bring in personally on my on my idea of how to fix this phil lord and christopher miller 
Interesting. Because okay. I, I okay. feel like personally they have enough heart in them and enough wacky silliness in them. The men behind the Lego movie, for exactly. Example. Yeah, like, um, we can see that kind of of meatballs. Yes, and yeah. for the darkness things, uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Oh yeah, the yeah. um the bit that makes me think. I mean, I I've, I think they're genuinely a great like pick. The fact that they've done animation mm. as well as live action, I think, m- makes them a really good choice. And the thing that uh that my brain immediately went to is the section in 21 jump street where they've just taken the drugs and you've got like Rob Riggle with his like, uh, eyebrows moving down to become his mustache. And then he turns into like an ice cream head and stuff like that. Um, which is, yeah, it it feels like it could almost be something out of the mask. That level of immature, silly, but at the same time, incredibly funny, both childish, and strangely teen-based comedy, so almost stride, stride on the line between... Keep maintaining the tone of the first film. Entirely. That's the key, isn't If it? not yeah, pushing yeah. it much further. So that's, I think, the first big fix. And obviously, like that, it's like, and bring all your fucking team with you. For God's sake. <laughs> the pacing has to be good. The timing has to be good. And now I know this is where it gets a little bit tricky because recently with Solo, this Disney Star Wars sort of side of things was like, oh, we'll get these guys in. Oh, no, they're doing something that's a bit too silly, a bit too creative. But with the mask specifically, and with the origin of the comic being a lot, lot darker, we could have them go in any direction and it would be fine. And they don't have the Disney overlords whipping them and keeping them in line and all that kind of stuff. Especially if you're making this film, and I think we've kind of settled on having it be basically a contemporary sequel. As much as we've said, like, nobody fucking cared about the mask 11 years later... We're saying, ah, but 18 years later, they'll... Oh, okay, so not... even later. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm thinking... So we're talking like this decade then? Like... I'm thinking 2017, personally. Wow, okay. There's a, there's a key reason for that. 23 years later, okay. I, I personally feel once Deadpool comes out... Oh! You can bring the mask back. Deadpool's got that... He's got a mask kind of vibe, it's doesn't he? It's the yeah. same Absolutely, energy, yeah. same fourth wall breaking shit, the same cartoony nonsense. Fuck me, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. And there's, yeah. when you look back at the original mask, even though Jim Carrey is mid-twenties, thirties in it. He is very much playing like a delayed adolescence type of guy. He's still very awkward around women. He's watching cartoons like uh, while he's eating cereal at home kind of thing. Not like Jamie Kennedy. (laughs) It's very much like an adolescent power fantasy because he gets this object and he not only does he have superpowers now, but he's like charming and sexy and he's able to talk to women. and sexy. Well, it, it, the way the film plays it, the, the film, I know, yeah. I know, I agree with you. People want to like, fuck him. Yeah, that's a weird point. Like, yeah, because yeah. like you said, you try, they try to do that in the second one, but they actually kind of get away with it in the first one. By the fact, what he looks like. <laughs> also, it's twenty nineteen. People want to fuck Shrek, so who the fuck <laughs> knows? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, people, people want to fuck the cats from Cats. So you know, that's fucking the, that's cats. <laughs> oh god, oh, god. Speaking of bad CGI, well, it's. It's well done CGI, it's, but just creepy. It's incredibly well done CGI used in the worst possible yeah, way. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, and and I think you look at Deadpool, and in a lot of the same way, he's this weird. He is this kind of adolescent power fantasy of like I can say whatever I want and get away with it, and I'm also like a super cool ninja. <laughs> yeah, it's literally how a child writes a thing. It's like, it, it, but not to the degree that Axe Cop, which is a comic, for example, yeah. Yeah. By, yeah, and the idea of written by a a pairing between a child and an adult it's it's that's a real child's mindset this is what an adult thinks a child likes (laughs) and 
the truth is it's actually what a teenager thinks the world is like, which is like, I want to be able to say what I want. Fuck you. I'm a little bit angry. I'm kind of horny. And I'm really funny. You're not funny. Well, I think I'm funny. Fuck you. And that's, I mean, and, and someone who likes Deadpool as a, as a character, that's Deadpool. And in truth, that's kind of the mask. The mask is Deadpool before Deadpool yep. was a big thing in film. Yeah. For a lot Didn't of even occur to me as soon as you said it, it made mm. all the sense in the world. So yeah. once you have that audience recognition like oh this is fine now this is now an r-rated film that's made uh all the money and you're like what do we do next well should we bring the mask back and do it properly and in, in another way i sort of described to um well my at least my idea to to alec and tim was you just do a reverse jumanji where jumanji had a tonal shift from this is a really dark creepy weird 90s film to it's a really fun film with the rock yay <laughs> You go the opposite way. You go. This is a a film with uh, Jim Carrey, and it's a it's a nineties comedy. And go. This is a twenty seventeen film where everything is fucked, and you've got Trump in power, and you have got Brexit happening in Britain, and everyone's kind of miserable, and no one has any fucking money. But we're gonna make some fun of everything, and it's gonna be quite cynical, but also quite fun because fuck everything, bit nihilistic style. And then that would probably bleed through a lot cleaner than if you tried to do that in two thousand and five. Or if you even did that in the 90s, it would still be a bit too a bit too weird. So this is where we have a bit of a separation, a bit of fork in the road. Oh, okay. So of our two main problems and two main fixes, we need someone who knows how to direct. And we think Lord and Miller are, are a good way forward. So you're knighted on that front. I believe yeah. so. I believe yeah. so. Then we have the time jump. We can't... We could release this in the 90s, arguably. But for one thing, Jim Carrey was very against doing sequels to his movies. Like, he only did... When nature calls for a buttload of money, and then wasn't pleased with the results, and swore off doing sequels again after it. That's why he's never been in like a Dumb and Dumber film, even though they've made two more of those. He wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. He but wasn't. that's eventually again, but he came back. Now, yes, yeah. much later. He he is very reluctant to do sequels, and you've got to have a good idea to bring him along. And like as much as his kind of star has faded from the nineties, there is he is still out there. He's doing some weird and interesting stuff he's more interesting as an artist now i think that the different shift when he did man on the moon and did the kaufman thing and he was the perfect character for it became kaufman amazingly but then ruined the film in the process milos roman couldn't control him and then you get to the early 2000s bruce almighty sort of era sort of stuff then everything starts to trail off number 23 and trying to do things a bit more seriously and being a weird personality and Nobody cares anymore about Jim Carrey's like ridiculous face. And then we come full circle back to Jim Carrey's coming back in a weird way. And you've got one aspect, as you say, the independent stuff he's done, the Netflix-based things and the TV stuff that's been actually genuinely interesting to watch. And then finally, oh, by the way, he's Robotnik. And you're like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, I'd forgotten about that. Me too. Had. I mean, let's be fair. We haven't experienced it yet. Yeah. It could be good. <laughs> no. <laughs> Skipping back a little bit to what, Carey's been up to lately and uh, and actually to to directors and a thought that I had which I don't think would actually work but I'd be fascinated to see it he's done this series called Kidding recently mm. where Michelle Gondry has done uh, a lot of the directing and has been a creative force behind it and has done some there's a um a single take shot in it where you have the camera moving around inside a, a woman's living room and it transforms and goes through about six months of her life as she cleans herself up from being a drug addict oh cool uh, okay. and putting herself together and it's all done 
physically in camera in camera wow um and i've seen it's not the a sign that he hyperlapse montage kind of thing like. and, no and i've watched the behind wow. the scenes footage of how they do it and it's like fascinating and the idea of him doing a mask film would be weirdly fascinating to see yeah, i so don't think it would be the right pick but i would love no, to I, see it i think it'd be interesting we get eternal sunshine on the spotless mind but mm, with yeah. the mask but i think you're right i think that could be a very interesting different take so we have a split now in terms of where to go with it. So Alex, obviously absent. We ended up saying, um, here you think the problems are. Here I'm thinking. The stories are real bastard. Because although we may have tried to take minor threads and think, well, that's something you could do something with, none of it resembles what ends up in the film, in, in their version, the original version. And even if you were to start pulling the thread, uh, like, okay, so you had to have the first opening 10 minutes of the film, it still wouldn't end up the way it does because it's so obscene. So we have technically two or three different opinions on where they would, where it would go. But the, again, the general consensus would be much later, I-2017, different directorial team. That's all fine. So... And bring back... And bring back Jim Carrey. And Jim Cameron Carrey Diaz. and Cameron Diaz. So we'll give you, I think, Tim and my version... Mm-hmm. And well, I can I can give a g- brief press Alex of as well. Alex as well no, because mine so. mine was very much I came Bouncing in off of both. Yeah, I came yeah. in okay. third, and I kind of attempt. I I had a few of my own ideas, and was also attempting to kind of close the gap between Alex and and Matt's. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's entirely correct. Yeah. So Alex pitch uh, pitch has uh, the film being made fifteen years later. So that's two thousand and nine. Yeah. Mm. Um, bring back Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz. Their characters are uh, living a domestic life in suburbia with a teenage child. And teenage the, child, okay. And the the kid is an aspiring kind of animator and comic book artist. Ah, very Alex so far, yeah. But mm. has kind of typical dorky teenager troubles. They're shy, they He's don't fit in. He's a big fan of 70s rock music. <laughs> <laughs> it's played by James Hetfield. Um, <laughs> teenage James Hetfield in 2009. <laughs> The teenager finds a uh, a mask at a kind of like junk store, antique store, um, and the uh, the person who runs the store kind of encourages them to buy it uh, and says that it has unlimited power. I'm imagining the shopkeeper from The Simpsons. Yeah, <laughs> you get a free yogurt that I call the Froget. That's good. The Froget is also cursed. <laughs> That's bad. Um, the um, like. Stanley has told them the story of like when he had the mask when he was young. Um, so they kind of aren't. Fuck. Yeah, I thought you meant Stanley m- from Marvel. Yeah, Stanley, not Stanley from the. Right. Hello, true believer. Yeah. <laughs> I had a mask. I was like, what the fuck are you that's doing? That's how here? I created Spider Man. I thought Mosquito Man. That's not gonna work. <laughs> Fly Man. No. Wait, Loki at the mask. <laughs> Loki's a great idea. Okay, that's Bob Hoskins again. <laughs> Stan, and if you don't cast Stanley as Odin, there's something wrong with you. Oh. Mm-hmm. So Stanley Ipkiss, thank you, aka Jim Carrey. What a great surname. Uh, has warned him about the mask and said it, it kind of, you know, oh, it, it it ruined his life or whatever. But the uh, the shopkeeper says kind of like, oh, you can you can strike back at all the people who are making you unhappy in your life, and so uh, the teenager buys it. Puts on the mask and becomes their own kind of version of the mask again. Not because with the weird fake hair. Not with the weird fake hair. And uh, again, kind of tapping into that whole like escapist power fantasy. They, you know, go to school, they dish out punishment on their bullies and they kind of become popular in the process. 
the shopkeeper who sold them the mask is not who he seems. He's not the creepy old man from The Simpsons. Oh, he is, is, in he? fact, Loki the trickster god, oh, um, who has been banished by Odin for his trickery and forced to live uh, an eternity as a mortal for punishment. Nice. Um, and Odin trapped Loki's powers in the mask for safekeeping. Hallelujah. Okay, we fixed the, okay. fix the power of the mask yeah. thing and get why he actually wants the mask back. Nails it. Good, he, okay. He can't wear it and gain the powers back, but this way he's manipulated a, um, a teenager into doing his bidding and uh, now he tells them that he's uh, unless they like do his mischief for him, he's going to tell their parents and let them know that that he's got the mask, basically. Eventually, Jim Carrey and Cameron Diaz discover that their kid has got is the mask wearer, and the three of them work together to defeat e- uh, Loki's evil scheme. And the moral of the story is don't hide behind masks and be who you really are, etc., etc. Which, again, I think okay. there's a lot of redeemable yeah. stuff there. I think yep. there's a lot you can do with. Not I enough... Think- uh, sperm with the mask's face on it (laughs) (laughs) so wrong the initial clash that i had with it was that i think a lot especially this season we've had a lot of moments of said what can we do with the story should they have a kid have a kid yeah (laughs) um and 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 i've only seen that work on film a handful of times yeah um so my reaction's always been well, not always, because if I've we can avoid that, let's avoid. Yeah, because it feels yeah. sometimes a little too obvious to say, "Well, we'll just jump twenty years ahead, and it's the next generation." Because audiences sometimes reject that. Not always, and sometimes really, really goddamn well. And I've seen versions. I'm like, "This is the best move ever. This is fantastic." Or you can have a bit of a bait and switch with Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So mm, you think, yes. oh, it's like, and then it, it, well, it is and it isn't. But it, yeah, genius sort of done. Whereas, in you, I'm always terrified of this is mutt. He's your son. <laughs> like, oh, thank you, Indiana Jones. Nobody wanted this. But I do think what Alec had there, I think there's a lot of really positive stuff. And again, it, it you could probably just put a load of paint up your ass and fart it onto a piece of paper and it'd be a better script than The Son of the Mask. But what Alec's done there, I think, is it explains the what the mask is, why Loki would want it back, gives some closure for what the adult characters are doing, brings in a new character, makes it fresh, makes it relatable to a younger audience. So I think he's got something there that would be definitely a workable sequel. Let's have your pitch, Matt. My pitch is in song form. I'll be singing I Love You, Baby. I love you, baby. Events of the mask, Stanley's depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> like the comics, <laughs> Stanley kills himself. It's dark like the comics, not the fucking sequel. I think uh, now I'm bringing this out loud. I think like an Amazon special or like an Trusted HBO sort of thing. me when I say, Oh, pretty. Yeah. <clears throat> 23 years after the events of The Mask, Stanley is depressed. He works in Edge City as an independent accountant and barely scratches out a living after the banking crash 10 years prior. It's a sad stuff. Stanley frequents a bar run by Tina, the, uh, just Cameron Diaz's character. The two drifted apart but remain good friends. On the news, live reports come in of a hostage situation at a train station. The assailant is a red-faced spinning ball of fury. Both Tina and the news anchor draw a comparison of the events of The Mask, but Stanley states this is clearly different. The police raid the station and they kill the criminal. Um, from this body, the uh, a red mist launches into the sky, and several other similar incidents then happen, all ending the same sort of way. So obviously this is me rushing through here, but, you know, lots of red masks. This happens multiple times. Yes. So you're right, okay. Tina then reveals to Stanley that something has to be done and shows that uh, Loki's masks has been 
she's been keeping it the whole time. Oh. Uh, he almost has a panic attack seeing it again for the first time. He's like, I'm, I'm not. I've got not PTSD a, from it. A little bit, yeah. Oh, right, it's like, it's nice. like I'm, I'm not that person. She says she found it and kept it years ago and kept for safekeeping because not only was it the case of like, okay, fine, you shouldn't have this, but nobody should have this. This is because he just chucks it over and, yeah. Is it secret? Is it safe? Kind of. Kind of. You know, when I'm speaking, yeah. Stanley arrives and takes the mask, but refuses to go back to that life. He says, "No, I'm, 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 I, the whole point at the end of the mask was, I don't need this mask. It's not who I am. It's it's awoken something in me, but I can be that that person." At home, Stanley is visited by Lieutenant Calloway, who suspects him of returning to his old ways. Stanley's uneasy, and I'm very very stressed about the whole thing, partly because of the experience he's, you know, undergoing. Uh, he knows he isn't responsible for this, but he does indeed actually have the mask again. So obviously, this strengthens Calloway's hunch, and it makes it more uh, tense between him and the law. Uh, eventually Stanley embraces his sort of fate and then dons the mask finally the mask character then gets used to being re-released sort of genie out of a bottle kind of thing and then also being used to 2017 so there's lots of ridiculous hijinks ensuing at this point the mask then admits CGI is great in 2017 so you've got got it should be fantastic buckets to play with exactly and also being Lord and Miller I think there'd be a lot of really interesting creative stuff Mm, yes it's not just like the Green Lantern movie like oh you made a Hot Wheels thing well done the mask then admits he doesn't want to go back and lose control again and uh, talking with Stanley he proposes a symbiotic relationship and while this is going on so drawn to the energy that you know the the, the sort of mask evokes the red mist possesses a, a, a waitress and confronts Stanley and the mask, and with a sort of warped red face, the possessor introduces herself as the goddess of chaos, Tiamat. Ah. And I would like this to be Tiffany Haddish, who people may not know in Tiffany the slightest, Haddish. but you will know her more over the next coming years. She uh, was in Girls Trip, and she was amazing in that. She's in Lego Movie 2, and she is, for lack of a better phrase, really fucking funny. Um, but also... Just an endearing actor. She's very good stuff. She should be in more things pending. Uh, Americans will likely know her. Not really broken through not over here too as much, much internationally yet. She's going to get there. I think with the next couple of years, everyone's going to know who she is. Mm. Very likely. Anyway, so she attempts to seduce the mask, who initially succumbs, but is torn by a sort of very base desire for Tina, because he's not in the relationship that, that Stanley was in with her. He just they want to fuck. Anyway, so the two fight in a very climactic epic sort of way and the mask finally escapes and runs away tina and the mask then reunite and she is firm that things can never go back to the way they were before that she chose stanley the whole point was that the mask comes up not not like this stanley the mask then mocks stanley for not fighting for their relationship in the first place and tina reluctantly kind of agrees that stanley kind of gave up on them so as a passenger of the whole experience stanley's hurt by this but acknowledges that he is a shadow of his former self and then he privately strikes a bargain with the mask saying Okay, we will coexist. I will do this if we stop Tiamat. If we stop this red mist sort of, you know, evil version of the mask. The mask agrees and in an all-out final battle spanning much of Edge City, which, you know, at the expense comically of, of Calloway and his team, Tiamat and the mask have a little battle. Uh, it appears the mask is going to finally align himself with the goddess and so it says, no, 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 this is where I belong. You know, you're a god of chaos, goddess of chaos. I'm a trickster god, as we're going to have. But he explains he's actually an agent of, of the god of mischief and tricks her, banishing Tiamat into a cartoonish dustbuster before launching her into space. So it literally is a case of like, you know, hoodwink the audience and think, oh, it's going to finally go through this sort of inevitable betrayal. Yeah. But no, gone, your space, you're out of here. The master tells Stanley they had a deal, but Stanley tricks the trickster and reneges on the promise by having the master sign a small print loaded document that he doesn't read because, again, he's not going to pay attention to it. And Stanley's known for being this needle nose sort of accountant guy, yeah. guy who's going to be that kind of thing. This is done very publicly. And Stanley is hailed as a hero, the hero he always 
felt he was quietly from the shadows sort of thing and vows to live his life fully with Tina. We then cut a few years later and we see Tina being wheeled out of a hospital room and she and Stanley are now happily married and have given birth to their first child, which is a daughter named Lucille. Stanley excuses himself, goes to the bathroom, wherein the skin starts to turn green. It's revealed that he did indeed keep his promise. The master tells Stanley that the child will be the living vessel for Loki to return and Stanley is worried that Tina will find out. The master says, no, 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 that'll never happen, you'll be fine. In the other room, Tina's sort of rocking a child gently before Lucille opens her eyes, looks straight into the camera, winks. You've kept the final shot from the yep. film. I kept the final shot from the Fucking film. Fucking hell. That's the only thing I thought, I'm going to keep something. The CGI smirk and wink. Yeah, but Ooh. I think this will be much more like the end of The Omen. Whereas, <laughs> it's like, like, oh, is that, is that a good thing? Is so, he so, like... so Son of the Mask, as we know it now, is the sequel to your movie. In a manner of speaking, kind of. How dare um, you bring that upon us Matthew uh, I will call this however The Mask Returns in, in uh, The Mask Returns basically that's, that's what the comic second one was called yeah, as well, so yeah, yeah. well but yeah that's what I was sort of thinking of doing I think you could make it a little bit darker a little bit more fun as I say I don't I, you could go R rated with it I don't think you need to no, um, no. but it would be much more t- PG 13 12A it would be a lot more mm. what we contemporarily consider okay. these things yes. and that would be what I would suggest mm. well it's the original is it PG. It's just PG. PG. This is just PG, really. It's PG. Wow. Which is what I think was sort of questionable at the time. I mean, a 90s PG is different to a present day like PG. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember being, as a, as a kid, kind of scared of um, the bad guy at the end when he puts on the mask. Dorian. Yes. Dorian. Dorian yeah. He's terrifying. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I think that the <laughs> that the, the original mask did very well and the son of the mask completely forgot is the idea that, like, the when you put on the mask it's kind of uh reflects your personality yeah. and the reason that is the mask that we know is because stanley loves cartoons in the um in the film whereas when dorian puts it on he's just a terrifying he sounds like clouds of fear and yeah so tim how are you planning on hybridizing what alec and i have produced separately and respectively so mine's quite a short pitch <laughs> So in my pitch, uh, we're also you know approximately twenty years to the into the future. Stanley is living on the suburbs of Edge City. He and Tina married and had a daughter after the events of the first film, but have subsequently divorced. Uh, and Stanley is in a new relationship with a woman who's eager to settle down, but he's not sure. On his daughter's 18th birthday, as she is celebrating with Stanley and the boring girlfriend, possessed by the spirit of Loki, and goes on a mask-style rampage. Uh, When it gets to dawn, the possession fades and she returns to normal. Stanley discovers that because his daughter was conceived under the influence of the mask, uh, it means that Loki can possess her. And in my version, that is not the weird double rape that it was in Son of the Mask. It's... Uh, I I I don't know how much of this we would show, but the implication would be that uh, him and Tina were you know shacking up, and it was kind of like a hey, uh, why don't I put the mask on for this one? It's like yeah, okay. It puts on his dick like yeah, a condom. Exactly. So unless uh, she is defeated by the third night, Loki will gain total control and begin a true reign of terror. Stanley reunites with Tina, who um, recovered the mask after the, they threw it into the river at the end of the first film, um, and she convinces Stanley to wear it once more to help their daughter. However, the mask has ideas of his own and whisks Tina off for a night on the town. After a big musical number, 
much better than Son of the Mask. Mm -hmm. It doesn't Uh, just cycle through genres. and Yeah. (laughs) Tina is able to convince the Mask to help, um, and he goes to confront the daughter. However, Loki's abilities prove too strong, and the Mask isn't able to stop her. And then in my extremely strong third act synopsis, uh, part of the synopsis, I put, then some other stuff happens, and eventually they defeat Loki just before dawn on the third night. Huzzah. (laughs) Uh, I do picture there being a moment, not unlike the end of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer pilot, where they um, manage to, like, they use, like, lighting or whatever to convince Loki that dawn has already happened. And he starts, Mm. like, celebrating and just being like, ha-ha, I've already beaten you. Um, And then they uh, manage to trick him that way. Tricking the trickster. Uh Aha. And so, yeah, that that was my pitch. The... um, the, I did have a casting note for it. Yeah, I'm curious. I was about to ask you guys about casting and stuff. Yeah, for the daughter, um, actress called Sadie Calvano. She is probably best known for something that I haven't seen, which is uh, the sitcom Mum with uh, Alison Janney and Anna Faris. But why I I know her from is a Netflix comedy called The Package about a teenage boy who accidentally cuts off his penis. <laughs> And she's very funny in that. And um, I thought she was she's kind got some of good energy. I think that's a really good show. Yeah, I thought she was. Yeah, I was like, okay, she looks kind of like she could be the daughter of Jim Carrey and, and, Cameron, Diaz. and Cameron Diaz. And and, uh, and yeah, she was very funny. So who do you think for for the uh, the girlfriend? I mean, there's a lot of options there. It's yeah. it's not a particularly rewarding role as, no. as written in that short synopsis. So I go to Judy Greer. <laughs> yes. She gets- Oh fucking shafted all the time. <laughs> An amazing, amazing comedian who gives these shitty fucking roles. Not that's a shitty role to me. I mean, it's, it's, it's an unforgiving one. Uh, one, uh, the other person who left to mind from way back at the beginning of her career, where she played like three different terrible girlfriends, uh, Sarah Silverman. I was thinking Sarah oh. Silverman as well. Yeah, that bloody hell. Yeah, Sarah yeah. Silverman definitely. What about Loki casting? Any ideas there? You keeping Alan Cumming? I don't know. Um, twenty seventeen, Alan Cumming. Twenty <laughs> what? Twenty years later, so twenty. 2014. Yeah. Oh, we can't obviously speak for, for Alex one because he would cast Lemmy. <laughs> Go ahead. Or James Hetfield. Peter Frampton. Oh, Peter Frampton, of course. Odin is Peter Frampton. Odin's James Peter James Hetfield yeah. is Loki. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Frampton is, as we know, the god of all music. Therefore, Odin. That <laughs> makes actually sense in a weird way. It's like Alex never left the room. <laughs> So apart from Peter Frampton, who are you going for? I mean, Loki never appears in my one, so Loki's a wink in the eye of a baby. Uh, in your one, Loki, any thoughts? I would, I would basically do it like they do in the original when, you know, it's Jim Carrey is the mask as well as being Stanley. I would have Sadie Calvano being, like, possessed and, and masked it. up. Oh, okay, so you never actually see Loki no. like, in, in person, for one of that in phrase. In the same way that you flesh. never see the Tiamat character in... My version, you never really see, you just Loki see the, as the avatar thing. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You describe it's, it. Yeah, exactly. The manifestation, the possession. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the second you start putting a face on it, uh, it becomes a, a again. You have to then acknowledge as guardian things. Where if it's just literally a possessed item or a cursed item, then it becomes much more ethereal. And it's easier to manage, especially considering all these films, including Alex and everyone else, is in MCU territory. People mm. suddenly know what Loki is. People yeah. may not have heard a thing in the past, but I, I knew what Loki was. As soon as you get to 2008, you are, yeah, yeah. You are suddenly... Thought it went until obviously 2010 or 11, whatever it is, but yeah. still, that starts hinting at things. And then, I mean, especially with our films being much later, it's like, yeah, Tom Hiddleston, Loki. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd almost be tempted to, you know, I, I've gone for the kind of the classic, like, oh, if you don't defeat it by the third night, then it all goes yeah, to yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, 
and like have as it's getting close almost do almost have like the possession and the the kind of the loki presence be a sort of like very lovecraftian almost like Ooh, okay. um like a, a kind of hint at uh, uh, like something just completely unknowable an elder horror yeah. yeah yeah and and the mask is you know it's this kind of fragment that we can kind of make sense of nice um yeah I think there's a lot... This is the thing, and this is the truth of it. In the middle part of this section, when we were starting to assess how we were going to fix it, Jack has obviously given us this mammoth task. Truth is, it's not hard. You just do anything, yeah. and it's do better anything than what you have. Do anything that's not the actual film, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there are lots of things you can do with the characters. There's lots of interesting closure points. There's lots of points with the mythology you can do things. We were talking initially about ideas of different paths would we have a different mask would we have just a different wearer of the mask would it be different types of masks different gods all the different factors and there's, there's such a rich culture of what you could do we go to literally back to the comics and try and find something there? there's so much literally you can do literally anything yeah and what they ended up with was such an abomination it's like how did you get here it's almost the amount of energy you'd need to put in to make it this bad is <laughs> astounding yeah one of the other kind of avenues that that i had as an idea that we I didn't end up kind of using was almost go sort of kind of Shrek route and have because the first film so owes so much to the Tex Avery cartoons, mm -hmm. which come from a very kind of specific era. If you're gonna have the mask face off against another kind of supernatural cartoon avatar, so to speak, okay. have them represent the kind of the Disneyfication of cartoons nice. okay, yeah. and be this very kind of palatable, like everything's great Disney character, but with like a sinister edge. Yeah, I'm and trying to think of it. There's an example of that. And the I Lego Movie it. too. Oh yeah, yeah, the Lego Movie too. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. use it as Tiffany a Haddish. as a use it as a commentary on yeah, like how Disney kind of smoothed out the bumps from early animation and just made it mm. kind of this mm. sellable thing that you could turn you know yeah. into theme parks and stuff yeah. rather than this like weird chaotic manic energy of the tex avery there's so much in the tex avery stuff that is so very for lack of a better word unwholesome yeah <laughs> and disney's like let's inject some. but then of course disney then changed under uh, the whole saying things like we're not here to make art we're here to make money if yeah. we have to make art great it's like you dick <laughs> yeah i think i think ultimately what we try and do with that if, if that was because that's an interesting road to go down as well you'd want to say on the outside this is what disney presents but on the inside this is disney's real soul yeah 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 because you'd, you'd have that character be the villain and you'd have yeah. you know you'd do the um beverly hills cop 3 thing of like the yeah. seedy underworld of the shiny surface yes yes exactly so basically lots you can do there's, there's so many there's, things yeah, yeah. We can just, we're literally spitballing fucking fixes now yeah it's yeah. So Jack, what are your initial thoughts on the things we've thrown at you tonight? I think you did, like you said, everything but the original, which is the correct way to go. I hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it, but how, how, how easy it is to not fuck it up, basically. Mm -hmm. How easy it is to not make Son of the Mask make something that is competent and is understandable and functional as a film, which I think is fairly key <laughs> to being a fucking feature length film I don't, I don't think it's a film that begs for a sequel in the in no. the way that some films like it's so natural that you can see where the story goes yeah like it's the 90s it closes itself off it's done yeah but equally like the progression there are so it, there's a lot to it that there's a lot of meat still left on the bones and the son of the mask proceeds to chew that meat up and then spit it in your face yeah mm. i think bringing it back all three of you did it 
the two main characters from the first one bringing back Jim Carrey, bringing back Cameron Diaz is such a key part of having that continuity and having that feel like a mask film. Whereas, like as we said, some of the mask doesn't feel like anything to do with the first one. I like the funny enough we were just talking about the kind of the possession where Loki and Asgard and all that bullshit is not present in the film. It is not a thing that is tangible. It's not a oh here's Odin's face. You know, here's here's, Loki. here's, here's <laughs> that was Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> I actually quite like your idea, Matt, of having like an alternative other god and maybe there are other I would maybe think another mask. Like literally another mask is too obvious, so I think having another kind of cursed item or something is sure, a cool sure. idea. Mm. Whether it's specifically pieces of clothing, like yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Well this thing I didn't cover in my pitch, which I again we would expand with on a more fleshed out thing. It was like, why is this thing suddenly here? Why is it going over? And because some people say, oh, that's a big plot hole in yours, Matt. Why, why is this other god suddenly here? Why be talking? The truth is, like, why, why is Loki's mask a thing in the first one? <laughs> it just come out, it comes out of a box, just is. But you could do, you could, you would be able to explain these things, and there would be time to go over it properly. But, but yeah, that was. Um, I think, I think you're right. A curse item could be quite. You're, you're building like a Dungeon Dragons esque multi pantheon style <laughs> yeah. god kind yeah. of thing, and obviously Tiamat is the god of evil dragons and Dungeons and Dragons, and going like off the walls mental with different gods I, I can imagine that almost turning into like some clash of the titans <laughs> we did we <laughs> battle had, of the gods i, I did make us a big list of like trickster gods i think it's interesting again i can't snuff i think one of the things that some of the masks kind of robs us of is the fact that it's got such a huge budget and everything it presents visually for the mask stuff is so fucking boring in the same way as again green lantern as comparison it's like um you know the film is that you know this 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 uh space cop can conjure anything he can imagine and everything you imagine fists is shit. cars planes hammers brilliant that is very true to hal jordan though i will admit as a massive <laughs> green lantern fan entirely fair <laughs> bubbles um but but yeah it, it, all the potential all the all the stuff you could have in a film like this it needs a creative team. It needs something to really... Not just in the story. You need someone to have, you know, a way of taking something as simple on the page of they fight to something <laughs> yeah. that's going to be... A st- I mean, as much as I hate to say Interesting, this, engaging. And, yeah. yeah. Michael Bay, for example. No, seriously. Script stuff just says, and then action happens. And to give him credit, fucking action does happen. Funnily enough, Don't when, see it, when but... you were kind of hinting at a director earlier, Tim, you were saying like... Yeah, something from the maybe not the <laughs> later stuff, but their earlier stuff when they were a bit more, you know, that kind of, kind of vibe. Like, are you about to say Michael Bay? I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to say Michael Bay. As yeah, well. interesting. Okay, okay, yeah. Mm. But well done, gentlemen, for not absolutely shitting the bed like the real thing did. <laughs> 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 it's a very low bar, and you exceeded it. Yeah. We got out of bed. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you I've fu- you functioned as human. Doesn't matter. It's not in the bed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. If for some godforsaken reason you have some ideas about some of the mask dear listeners you can contact us on all the usual social medias at sequelizers on twitter instagram facebook all that good stuff if you have a longer particularly angry question if you're somehow wanting to defend some of the mask sequelizers at gmail.com is the place to hit us up here's an email who's it from jamie.kennedy at <laughs> gmail.com i don't know <laughs> Don't at us, Jamie Kennedy. I feel like we might just have to tag him in some of the episode tweets. Like, yeah, fuck him. Oh, dear. If 
you would like to support us and experience all the lovely extras, including a hell of a lot of extras from this episode. I'm not going to lie. This episode is going to be intense. This this is one for the patrons. <laughs> <laughs> we there. have a 12-minute discussion about salads. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to hear our opinions on different salads, uh, you can support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash sequelizers and throwing us some dollar dollars and thank you if you already are or continue to do so it's genuinely appreciated we genuinely do support it tell your friends though get them involved as well because they're missing the sweet content and that again the stuff we cut out of the s episodes are really fucking funny <laughs> some of it i if you want to hear me literally crying with laughter you can breathe it happened twice so far in this season yeah it is yeah there's a lot of and Mad there's so shit. much more coming as well yeah. in terms of like rewards and merchandise and uh, exclusives and things. So you'd be a fool to miss <laughs> out. Yeah, Obviously, if you can't afford to support us at all, which obviously not everyone can, I fully appreciate that. Tweets, retweets, comments, likes. Reviews, reviews on all the podcast all services, great. Stitcher and I, Apple, po- nearly said iTunes. Yeah. Don't say iTunes. Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Google Play Services. Spotify. We have some really nice reviews. They're yeah, really, they're really yeah, yeah. yeah no, very I pleasantly. Said thank you for the reviews, but they are. We haven't read through a lot of them. They're really nice. One what, was about what? my penis. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's the thing. People want to <laughs> leave reviews about your penis, Matt, and let you know directly that they've left them. How do they do that? Uh, it's come straight to the source, to the root, if you will. Oh, the, the base, the, root the shaft of, my, of the problem, the root of my wang. You can contact me on the internet. S. T O G H Z Stogs. The H confuses a lot of people. I've seen people mention it says Stogs and it's like, I could imagine, yeah. 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 I don't know why I did it that way, but fuck it, it's now a thing now. SEO. So you could do that. You could also read my reviews at theredrighthand.co.uk. You could read no, you could watch the films and things I make at Cheesemint. Uh so if you best way to just literally just search Cheesemint and you'll find other stuff on YouTube. Cheesemint stuff features everybody. Me and Tim as well. Award winning shit. And also on the series side, I also make like I've got a conquistador film about two conquistadors going on a bit of a weird drug trip in South America or Central America, and just turning on each other. It's all very dark. That's going out soon at festivals. So yeah, we I, I do a lot of stuff. Tim, <laughs> how can people find you on the internet? All of my work is not fit for public consumption. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can you, you can, can follow me on Rule Thirty Four slash <laughs> Grade A Film. <laughs> but you can follow me on Twitter anyway. Uh, trivia underscore lad. Will I will link to anything interesting that I'm doing or just random opinions about like films and comics and music X-Men, and stuff. Often, lots lots about the X Men. Yeah. It's the easiest way to follow me and any, anything interesting that I'm doing. I'll link to on there. Jack, hello, that's me. Where can we find you on the social media, Jack? J L W Chambers. That's all three of my initials plus my surname. In one delicious little package, such is my SEO. Nice. Jack Lovely Wang oh, Chambers. You went, <laughs> you went the same way I did. <laughs> Jack Lovely Wang Chambers. No, I was going to go saying horribly sad. I was like, Lonely Woden. <laughs> hey, that's... Okay. Lonely Wandering mm. Woden Chambers. Lonely Woden is the sequel to American God. <laughs> Yeah, fair. Oh, dear. Uh, you want well, to follow my uh, Norse mythology-based puns and jokes and uh, lots of Neil Gaiman references this episode for whatever true, reason. True. Yeah, JLW Chambers on Twitter, Instagram, even Facebook if you want to be really creepy about it. If you want to follow Alex stuff, you can go to Alec 
Alex's website. Which <laughs> <laughs> is alecplowman.com. Underscore isn't it? Not, not a website. It's not, no. His Twitter handle is alec underscore plowman. If you want to go to alecplowman.com for all of that good guitar David Bowie album reviewing goodness, which we are it's always reassured is constantly up to date because it's just a homepage that says coming soon or something. Alex has so a lot of strong opinion about theory, guitar stuff and writes things that are very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's really good at it, yeah. Genuinely, he, knows he's actually, he actually knows his rock and stuff. Literally has a PhD in rock music. Yep. That's why we call him the Doctor of Rock. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. And thank you very much for not being Jamie Kennedy. We really appreciate you. Yep. Yep. We'll see you for the season finale. Jamie Kennedy's best hits. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag fuck you, Jamie Kennedy. I'm putting that in the hashtag.